Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode six of season five of This Osteopathic Life. I come to you today on the last day of school for our public school district and for my three children. And as I thought about the topic for today and the energy for today, that idea of matriculation came up and I got excited and I looked it up and it really just means, you know, going from one grade to the next. <laughs> um, and so it didn't quite have as much expansiveness and room for interpretation as I might have hoped, but we can begin there and notice that space and timing of transition in the practice of medicine, this happens a lot. And for many years, I saw someone post recently, PGY, postgraduate year 15. So they're in years of training after already having gone through all of their elementary years, right? their middle school years, their high school years, their college years, their medical school years, and then into internship and residency and fellowship training. So it's more than lifetimes of years of moving from one to the next. And for so much of our lives in the modern world and in the classical educational world, we do, we have this trajectory, right? We start in these daycare spaces, in these preschool spaces, in kindergarten, elementary years, middle school, coming into high school, coming into college and university and graduate school. And you have this somewhat set trajectory, right? You know what that transition is like. There's some of those big breaks, right? There's the year-to-year transition matriculation that happens, and then there are those moments, right? The kindergarten graduation where you become the elementary student. And moving from elementary school into middle school, I have a nephew and a niece who were in those spaces this year. And then moving into and then from high school toward college and graduation there. And my children have asked me this week, which is a bigger deal, right? When you graduate elementary school or middle school or high school or college, and the answer is sure, yes, all, right? And it really is what it is for you. If I think back to all of the graduations for myself, I don't remember kindergarten graduation. Elementary school, I pivoted schools in between, and I don't recall, you know, sixth grade, you could have continued in the same school. So I don't have a general sense, and any of my classmates from that time could step in. Eighth grade, I do remember a relatively significant graduation. We had a mass, it was in the Catholic school system at that time. I remember anytime you aren't in your uniform clothes, you can remember those events. High school graduation, I do remember. I remember particularly my classmates who were on the soccer team coming from, I think, regionals, uh, where they had wet hair and they had to come just last minute to graduation. In college, I didn't attend. I was on my study abroad year, and so that did almost seem like a lackluster, like a hidden moment. I knew I was headed toward medical school, and it almost was ignored, right? It just didn't happen. I just ended college, or I was there, and I was in college, and then I wasn't. At medical school, I did arrive to graduation, right? Two days past my first due date and very pregnant, delivered the oath from my classmates as the vice president and delivered my first child a couple of days later. Internship and residency graduations, we did have ceremonies for those. And so thinking about those moments, did any feel more significant than another? You know, high school had a lot of energy behind it. And I think that one just has this paramount experience in the American culture 
And then medical school, yes, it obviously was also partnered with this. I hope I don't deliver this child on stage as I was there. And there was also a bit of a gap. You know, we concluded rotations almost a month in advance. And so there's a little bit of this sense of removal. And then I also didn't participate in the dinner and the award ceremonies because I didn't know where I would be with the pregnancy. And so it was a partial engagement, but it felt significant, right, to be hooded, as they call it, a physician in that space and to be with classmates and to notice, right, this whole room for the people who are becoming doctors and thinking about all you went through in those previous four years. So I would say for me, those two probably stand out. And residency graduation, it felt like an accomplishment having had my second child at that time and you know being able to continue to race triathlon alongside that and make some decisions about switching specialties. So there are moments to be celebrated all along the way. So that's matriculation and graduation and moving from that one stage to the next. So that's maybe the big picture on this day and what it represents. And there are lots of different changes happening. We have a school across the street from where we live, and the building will no longer be that school. They've built an entirely new structure a mile or two away. And so that energy will be different. It'll be strange not to have all the cars here for pickup and people bicycling to school and we'll see what happens with that building and how it is being in this new environment for all the participants, the students, and the staff in that new environment. And this year also, my children, two of the three, switched schools at the semester. So there was a bit of a matriculation that happened not moving from one level to the next, but one school system to another. And seeing the adjustments and the adaptations, and there are certainly challenges, and I just made a graphic. I've been on a I say a sabbatical from Canva, not necessarily intentionally, but just it's been a less of a output creative space and more of this internal facing and uh, healing space for me. But I do love Canva. And if you haven't had a chance, just open it up, you know, <laughs> explore, see how you can feel graphic designery and no disrespect to my very qualified and gifted, talented friends in the graphic design industry. I recognize that you can't compete, but it is nice to be able to make something that looks lovely when you might not be a person who is artistically, graphically inclined. And I love words and being able to pair words in a clever way with an image and bring that forward. I did that daily through Living Conceivable for the better part of a year and then took a pause and it starts to come back in little bits and spurts. And one thing that came for me was that change comes from challenge, right? And change is found within challenge, literally, right? If you zoom out of those words, you take out the LLE, right? And challenge and change remains. And I love that because the LLE sounds like lull, right? <laughs> and that's what we talked about last week. So you take out the lull and within the challenge, there's change, but it requires it, right? So challenge has that it's a mandatory part within it. And then change can emerge. You can sift through to come to change. So connecting with what we talked about in last week's episode and then coming forth to this feeling of change that emerges from challenge, that's part of challenge. And we experienced that in droves really in the past couple of years and then acutely at the semester. And it's a big change in environment going from a private school to a public school to from small settings to large settings, from tiny teams to teams with hundreds of athletes on them to different styles of learning and teaching and testing and finding, right, that there are beautiful parts and there are difficult parts and there are parts you miss and parts you're glad to be away from. And all of that can be true. And I would say that one of the biggest realizations and growth edges of the past year, let's say two years, we're coming up toward the two-year mark of it all, is that 
it doesn't have to be this or that, right? We have done away with binary thinking. You're allowed to feel lots of things at once and you're allowed to love something and have some disagreements or discrepancies with parts of it. And that is really inviting and relieving, but also it's uncomfortable because there really was this sense before of, oh, well, if that part's bad, the whole thing's bad. Toss it all out, right? One drop of poison and the whole thing is toxified. And to be able to say, you know, that part doesn't seem right to me, but I really appreciate all these aspects of it. And being able to offer that up. Yeah, yeah, that is something that's completely understandable why you miss that. And it's okay to miss it and to be glad you are where you are. And even that, especially having been in a life where we have moved many, many times and been in different communities and back and forth and to and fro, and there can be this sense of, I have to super love it where I am, be all in. And I can even go back and look at past episodes and blogs to that effect. <clears throat> be here now, be fully present. Yes, and. It is okay to love where you are and to embrace a new community and find new friends and take up a new job and be in a different school and right have a sense of love and loss and longing for those where you were before. And we could say, well, no, that's not helpful, right? It keeps you out of the present moment. Maybe, but I think it also acknowledges the realness of it and the humanity of it. And if some of those linger and they do prevent you from even ever being able to enjoy where you are, I think a couple things, right? Check in with that. What is the narrative? What is underlying it? And coaching has really helped me with that to get to those deeper layers, right? Is it about the house or about the job or about the people? And what else? And what else? And what else? And what else? And be able to really find those under layers in the core concepts that are part of that angst that you might carry. And also, if it really seems unresolvable, you know, there are things in my life I got coached on over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I could definitely say, there's room for me to improve. I could take a different perspective. I could logic, right? I could rationalize. Hyper-rational is one of those saboteurs that I carry. That I could think about it differently and feel better. But it didn't make sense. I was also a cue that something is not right here. And it is not something I can solve or think my way out of, right? It's a red flag. There's a problem. Like it means you need to leave, right? Exit this space, right? Do not pass go. Do not go to jail, right? Leave jail and enter into a world where there's freedom of feelings and thoughts and autonomy and you can be who you are. So check in with that, right? If there's something that really you circle around over and over and over again, I can't recommend coaching enough, but coaching mindfully where the coach isn't insistent, right? That there has to be some solution. And that's really paramount to coaching, right? There cannot be an agenda for the coach that's really counterproductive and counter to the values of coaching, right? It's about the person who's being coached in that space. But if something keeps coming up, right? And seems unresolvable, take a moment, right? Check in. Is there trauma here? Is there really something of concern here? Is there a reason why we cannot think our way out of this? And we talk about this when we're talking about the practice of medicine. There are lots of ways we can control ourselves and our perspective and our engagement. And then sometimes, right, there's some hard stops in the system that need to change. And we can maybe temporize our ability to engage with them. And, and almost I want to say but here, (laughs) we need to go in and have reform, right? That's why health policy exists. And that's why we have checks and balances in these systems to say, you know, 
We've done all the things that we can to thrive and survive in this system. And these are some hard stops. These are some things that need to shift to make it a more humane and sustainable place. So check in with that and think about what it means to have trauma-informed people in your lives around you professionally, personally, who can help you say, you know, I hear you say that. And I think there might be something else here. And this might not be yours to fix. And it might not be a you problem. And that's not a shifting of blame, but it's a recognition so that right, you don't stay in unsafe, unhealthy spaces longer than I want to say necessary, but you know, just any longer once that awareness is gained. That was a bit of a tangent, but that's where we are, right? Tangents, <laughs> how we weave these threads together. So thinking about the idea of last. So as I went through matriculation and graduation, and I don't have any graduates specifically in my world, everyone's kind of still within their particular and respective zones of school at this moment in time. And over the next couple of years, that will begin to shift. And it actually is going to happen in a relatively stepwise fashion, which is kind of nice. We'll have you know one and then another each of the years. And then it will kind of continue. Right? It'll be this snowball effect where each year we'll have some type of matriculatory process. But what I thought of was last day. And I heard the hymn in my head, right? <laughs> that he will raise you up on the last day. And thinking of that, so we could think about last day in lots of different ways. There's a notorious B.I.G. song we could pull lyrics from. And what came up for me was really to then distill it down to the word last. And thinking about all those different ways last can be used. And right, there's the ding, 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 we scored. <laughs> a word with a wide variety of definitions and meanings and ways that we can twist it, turn it, explore it from a variety of perspectives. So we think about last day, right? It's the final day. There are no more days in this school year, the 2022-23 school year. We will not begin again until September. We'll go after Labor Day for the school system in which we are currently enrolled. And so we have this swath of time. So last, right, it's a finish line. It's a moment. It's a point. It indicates, it's a demarcation of an experience, right? So it caps this year, which existed from essentially end of August, early September, until now, this midpoint in June, and all the different experiences, grades, artistic endeavors, athletic events, testing, enrollments, championships, practices, disappointments, frustrations that happened within those boundaries of that year. And we think about that in the snapshot. And my neighbor did graduate this year, so I had that opportunity. I love the graduation experience, right? Seeing all the pictures from K through 12. And it was up on her fence, it was beautiful, and all the different snapshots of life and the awards and the recognitions and the newspaper articles, all of those pieces. And there aren't as many, right? Newspaper articles, <laughs> a little harder to come by. We don't have the same clippings as we did. Although my other neighbor did note that they read about my son's rowing event, which I didn't see. I don't get a physical paper. In any case, seeing all of that and seeing that stepwise fashion, noticing how you can see the growth, literally, right? And the maturation of the student across those photos, looking from preschool to that senior year photo and all the changes that happen. In that last moment, it's the last time you will be in that space. It's usually the last time you'll be in a space as a child, right? Many seniors in high school in the United States turn 18. So adulthood is part of this. So it's this last moment of childhood and the representation of it. If we think about graduation and then the last moment of whatever grade you are in for each student. And we don't return there. Now, sometimes we might repeat a grade, right? But it's still your last moment of that year in that grade, so just being with that. And interestingly, as much as it is that finality and that end point, last 
very much often, and so many other definitions, has much more of an expansive and continuous meaning, right? Last, as a verb, really means to continue in time, to remain fresh or unimpaired, to manage to continue, to continue to live. And so thinking of that, last day feels like a boom, right? We close the book, we slam the gavel, we, you know, break the tape at the finish line. And also, right, last is this endurance to remain, to continue, and thinking about that. So where have you lasted? And even thinking about this last year, there were so many challenges, right? So this past year is what I should say. There's a differential. And we have lasted. We have endured, right? We have endured through these changes. And I'm saying we as a collective, with me and my children, and thinking about all of us, right? The grand collective, the wider human populace has lasted. And now I recognize many people, right, died, in the pandemic, and there's been loss of life on lots of different ways. We've had sudden death in young athletes. We've had increased rates of suicide. All of this <clears throat> is happening. And there is still an element of lasting that has happened in, around, among, and through that. So just taking that moment and to notice what lasts and what supports you in that lasting. And many times, right, it's an element of support. It is a lifeline of nutrients. And I mean food, yes, water, yes, but also, right, nutrients of love and hope and connection and possibility and promise, right? All of those pieces. And we talk about, you know, the hope can keep you alive, the hope that kills us if you think about Ted Lasso and the different perspectives there. But noticing what supports you in your lasting. Where have you been able to last the longest? There was a plank competition. I cannot remember the duration of it. And I loved when my brother called me and he was talking about the world record with his son and, and my, you know, my nephew. And he said, oh, that's something like Aunt Amelia would do. <laughs> and I can hold a plank for a while, but not nearly right as long. It was, it was almost a whole day or something you know, absurd for the plank. So thinking about that and what it is that allows you to last. I think about Will Smith in a quote from him that I'm going to... I would say botch, but paraphrase, that he might not have been the most talented in his space, but he knew he could outwork, outlast anyone, right? If you put him on a treadmill, it's like I would walk on here until I die. Now, you can have all different perspectives on Will Smith and the Oscar situation, but taking in that perspective of outlast, right? And I think about that in the Survivor, right? The series I think is still going, the competition on TV, where it's outwit, outplay, outlast. And there is something to the endurance, right? And just seeing what that means and how that looks for you. To be enough for the needs of, right? So to last, to supply someone with something. To continue in existence or action is longer, longer than, often used without, right? So there's the outlast of survivor here. So we'll come back to last in this finality moment. But I love having those flip sides of the coin, where it could be the end or it could be the continuation. Following all the rest, right? Last one out being the only remaining, and even there, right? So it's the last dollar. So it's the final dollar, but it's still there, right? There's that piece of it. Belonging to the final stage as of life, the next before the present or the most recent. So shifting to that, so we move from, right, the last thing, the last one that's there, it's the last one out. And then the most recent, and I just said that, right, in this past week, in this last year, all of those pieces. And so thinking about that, right, last can have this failure sense to it, right? If you're not first, you're last, quoting Ricky Bobby in in this space. 
And then thinking about something being the most recent, right? It's the last thing you remember. It's fresh in your mind, like the recent history notice of it, the most up to date, the farthest from a specified quality, attitude, or likelihood, right? Well, that's the last person you'd think of. Lowest in rank or standing. So notice the judgment and the discernment that can be part of last in here as well. Highest in degree, right? And thinking of that, like how often do we use last in that way, right? So this pinnacle element of last, most lately, right? In conclusion, something that is last, a form that is shaped like the human foot and over which a shoe is shaped or repaired. So we just throw in a complete curveball there, right? A last, something around which you can form something else. And so taking all of these different perspectives and taking a moment to consider when you hear the word last, what comes up for you? Do you think about, right? The final person to cross the finish line, right? The loser of the race, if you put that judgment on it. Do we think about the endurance and the capacity I picture, right, when I think of that aspect of it, these trail runners, right, the 100K or the 24 hours, and they're able to last for so long. And we think about why. Or if we have the same general human composition, what can allow some over others? Now, we can look at genetics, and we can look at physiology, and we can look at the mental strength that is trained. I think about that in the CrossFit space, right? When you look at a workout, and how you would be able to complete it, and then how a competitive CrossFit athlete would compete it. And comparing for the sake of perspective, not because, oh, I should be able to do that. It's a very different ballgame to be participating in CrossFit fitness and competing in CrossFit as a profession. And just noticing how they can last at a high intensity. So it's not even necessarily that they're staying in the workout longer but they're able to stay at a higher level of performance, right? The higher wattage of power output and a higher, you know, heart rate for a longer interval. They can last in those different spaces. And then we can think about last from that perspective point of view. So what are those most recent memories that you have? And we can take that in this moment. It's a reflective time of year with all of these graduations and thinking about, right, the last time, you were with the graduate. I reached out to my nieces as I was reflecting on some high school pieces. So they are the last people nearest to me that I know that have come through with a high school experience, right? So mine is many more years removed. So I could say to them, what do you recall from this space, right? So that they're the last people I know, right? Very personally to have graduated. And so we can turn into that space and look for expertise. We could look at these lasting memories. And so we go from the most recent, the nearest to us to the farthest away, and say, so, you know, what can I recall from something that happened long ago? And why does it stay with me? Why am I able to recall those details of said experience and to pull that through? And thinking about the shape, right? To have a last and as something around which you can form something else. And thinking there, what do I form myself around? What are those highest degrees of influence in my life? What is shaping me, right? And notice the impact there is that we are forming something by putting you know, tension around it and it takes on the shape of something else. And so notice, what are you leaning against? What are you purposefully right, wrapping yourself around conceptually, literally, physically, figuratively, all of those spaces? And what is the outcome of that? Right? What is the effect of being part of utilizing a last 
in that way. So as we come in through this, I'll bring in some quotes, right? Just in celebrating words, and it's a time of year that quotes come through. Hope is the last thing ever lost. And so if you lose everything else, does hope still remain? And is it the hope that actually gets us through? And actually, if we take that vantage point, hope is the last thing ever lost, that idea it's the hope that kills us, maybe. If it is the last thing, right? You're the last hand on the flotation device in the freezing cold water. And of course, Titanic images are coming up here and Jack and Rose and why was he on the door? (laughs) All of those lines of thought. But considering, well, maybe there is that association because if it is the last thing ever lost, and maybe we do end up losing, right? Death happens and we could talk about whether that's a loss or not, right? That hope can be associated with that experience. Save the best for last. And sometimes we use that facetiously. We use it to try to condone or, um, you know, make up for, why don't I say condone? <laughs> Having someone be picked last, right? And so we might pivot it. It might be true, right? Sometimes we do make a delivery. I think about sometimes in an award ceremony, right? They often do say the best, the most significant award for last. So last can actually be, right, this adulation space. And last but not the least, and there's a way to, lesser the diminishing nature of being last and thinking about take every breath as if it's your last and how that can bring more power and potency to something the last will be first and the first shall be last so thinking there of what it means right the graciousness and the humility that can come with stepping back and allowing that space to be and what it can actually mean for you in the long run picturing your experience would last. And I'll talk about this in my programs. We'll take a word and we'll often take multiple definitions and it gives us an opportunity to take something that maybe gave us resistance, right? I don't want to be last. Or thank goodness I'm not last, right? Think of those ways we might have relief relative to avoidance of last. And then there's that idea. There was the John the Penguin, I can't think of his last name, in Runner's World, he was usually back of the pack or last, and happily so. I'm just glad to be here, right? The miracle isn't that I finish, is that I had the courage to begin, and last is relatively irrelevant, right? I'm here, and that is it. And so just checking in with how you would like to relate to and associate with and consider and feel about last and that all of them are okay, right? You can not want to be last. Me, competitive person. When I lined up at triathlons, I did not intend to be last. Right? That was not the purpose or my hope or my goal there. And others might not have had the same shared goal, and that's okay, right? Both are okay. There are other times I'm happy to bring up the caboose, right? Just simply be there, right? And just be part of something, take it all in. Thinking if you want last and how you want to build endurance. And that can mean literally in the physical sense, maybe you want to run or bike or swim longer, or right, how you want to last through a season of your life. I've thought about this in this graduation, this matriculation, this end of school year time, where there have been some results that weren't necessarily what was expected. And there can be disappointment. There can be a sense of loss and grieving. There can also be the sense of all things considered, all that has happened in this last year, it's a miracle. We're standing, we're smiling, we're continuing, we're connecting, we're competing, we're showing up, we're performing, 
and yes, right? Our max effort right now might not yield the same result it would in other seasons. And that can be a tough pill to swallow. It can also be a miracle to even notice. Say, wow, right? All of this, which can really serve as an anchor, as a counterwind, right? Blowing you entirely off your path and to be able to even come close to the ideal outcome that you had anticipated is way more of a victory, right? Than if you were unimpeded. And I think about that, track and field events are happening right now, like the NCAA championships and the Diamond League happening in Paris. And there are wind assisted, right? And then wind, um, not unassisted, but you know, the wind is against you. And the times acknowledge that. So it's easier, right, to run with a tailwind than it is to run into a headwind. The times will likely, and they should be faster. And to be able to say, wow, right, to perform, and they'll say that. Like, look at that time and, right, they were running into the wind. And so to think about how you have ended up and where you've ended up when you have been running. And I've been also swimming daily. And the water has been really choppy, although yesterday it was so calm. No wind at all. But the days before that, it was almost comical, right? The gale force winds were red flag wind warnings. And yes, the water was okay. We've talked about this. And how much forces and how much time differential there is, right? Over a... 400-yard swim, point-to-point point between the buoys. It's a two-minute differential, right, when I'm swimming into the wind versus with the wind back. And even then, because it was almost a sideways wind, it probably was even a bigger difference between them. So just recognizing, right, that you might have lasted through some really tough times, and you can honor that. Last, as far as the form and what it is you're taking the shape of and how you're being influenced and what that image will be, right? What will the form be of you when all is said and done? And so as we're here on this last day, which is also the first day, it's the first day of summer, uh, summer break officially because we haven't hit the solstice. That's next week, one week from now. And that's a beautiful day. We'll talk about it when it arrives. But on this last day of school, first day of summer, this transitional point, this ending and honoring a chapter and opening the page for a new one, how are you? How would you like to be? How would you like to feel? What do you need? What can you celebrate? What can you let go of? What can you recognize? And let all of that come through. And as always, reach out. I still take coaching clients outside the medical realm in the one-on-one space. Send me an email. Let me know how things are going for you. Reach out to someone you know and love if there's some processing that needs to happen for you. And consider how you can continue to be for the health of all things and include you in the list and hopefully somewhere quite near the top. Don't leave yourself for last. This is Dr. Millie Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening. <laughs>